Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mansion Podcast. With Krill Dog and Andy. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Mitchin. My name is Andrew Levins. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast, which is a podcast about food in Sydney, the people who cook it, serve it, drink it, and write about it. Um, you can't drink food, or eat, but but the people here today can. Actually, you know what? We have a guest today that definitely can drink food. I've seen him do it before. Mitch, who have we got at the Mitchin table today? I don't even know anymore. Oh, by the way, that's Mitch Orr. He's the co-host. It's his house. You know this by now. Uh, t- today, as usual, Mike Eggett's here. Yo. Mike Eggett, Pinbone. Uh, we also have return guest uh, wine expert, uh, all around nice guy, Mike Benny. Hello. And <laughs> <laughs> Freelance lover. <laughs> Last time we had Mike Benny on, was uh, he was talk- telling us about Rootstock, which is a program that he runs. Uh, all about food and wine, and that's coming up quite soon. It's the 28th and the 29th of November is the big festival. So we'll be talking about what, what that is going to entail this year. We also have one of the other co-curators of Rootstock, um, former gourmet traveller, sommelier of the year, even though he tries to play that down. Uh, was it Barman of the Year or Sommelier of the Year? Was it Sommelier? No, I'm pretty e- sure it was Sommelier. Everything. I thought it was Everything. Barman and we, we love your cocktails. <laughs> they involve opening bottles. Uh, Giorgio Di Maria is here. Yo, you did some research, Mitch. Right? Take, no, that's all I could remember. <laughs> I, I was racking my brain for what you've actually done with your life and that's all that I could get. What did he miss? Did he miss anything important? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's too hard. No, I tried to like keep it low high. Uh, you're all o- you're all over the shop. You're, you're I'm trying. Ones. I'm trying to. You're all over the shop at the moment, so it's. I'm all it's over hard. the shop. Yeah, exactly. In every sense, yes. <laughs> so obviously today we're going to be talking about uh, some upcoming projects that both of our guests are involved with. Quite exciting stuff. Um, also, I was in Paris last week and uh, got some amazing tips from both Mike Eggett and Mike Benny. Um, and managed to fluke my way. Yeah, the luckiest man stumbling <laughs> through Paris. Well, I can't wait for this story. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll comment on a few other things that happened, but let's get straight into Paris because I, 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 it's, it's fresh in my mind. I have to open up a... Yeah, it, I'll put a disclaimer out there now that uh, the next 15 minutes is going to contain a lot of butchering of the French language. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was there for... That'll make Giorgio happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm already laughing. <laughs> you know, you uh, know, one of Giorgio's secret hidden talents is actually that he's French. very, very good at French speaking. Amazing. Well, I'll just pass over all the wine labels to you and you can read them out for me. Um, <laughs> Small Anus Estate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn French so you could understand what people were abusing you? Like, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. The point was, uh, yeah, not to get uh, factor. Oh, sorry. Can I say that? No, you that? can swear. You can, oh, yeah. can, okay, swear. Sorry. you can swear it up, man. In French? In yeah, French, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Putain. Putain de merde. So I was in Paris for um, a weird reason. I was there making videos for PlayStation at a massive games conference called Paris Games Week. Um, and uh, that meant that I pretty much had to work about 16-hour days at the conference and then would have to go home and spend a couple hours with a film guy editing the videos that we made that day. So it was pretty brutal hours for me. I was only there four days, um, and I kind of just desperately put it, put the feelers out to... Um, to uh, you know, you do that general, like, hey, I'm going to Paris, any tips? And you just get, like, like God bless them, but you get the worst tips in the um, universe yeah. from friends. But I, I, I kind of love that. Yeah. Like, I, I love it when you, when you just, like, you know, you just get that really keen mate who wants to share something with you and you're just like, man, thanks so much. But you know, you know you're not going to go there. Did right? you just get a whole lot of tips to eat the, like, Royale with cheese? Like, <laughs> so is that pretty, all every, your mates? So many dickheads were like, oh, try French fries. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Franco. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to Waxy. That was Waxy this time. He got in there first before, like, 10 other mates Fucking did. Waxy. <laughs> um, but, uh... I, uh, I, I, you guys all hit me up independently, Mike Benny, mm. Mike Eggett, and uh, another previous guest, Joel Amos. And um, the three of you uh, recommended very highly a place called Le Clown Bar. Yeah. Le, the, oh. the Clown Bar. The Clown Bar. That, that's the Not ex- bad pronunciation. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which was incredible, and we'll get to that meal later. But when I was at the PlayStation conference, I met one of the uh, heads of the European office, and I told him that I went to Le Clown Bar. And he's, he's obviously, he, he's French. And um, his eyes lit up. He was like, I love that place. And I was like, yeah, man, the wines, they're amazing. And he's like, oh, like the natural wines. And I'm like, yeah, I love natural wine. I love how funky it is. (laughs) How do you say funky in French? Um, (laughs) uh, And um, he was like, I've got to take you to this place, this amazing cellar. They'll, they'll... they, they, they sell like incredible natural wines that they're, they're, they're just the best I'll, I've got to take you there we're kind of we're not, we're not too far away it's you know on the other side of town normally because we're already over here for the conference it's not that far let's go so he took me to this place and like they knew him by name um, and it was like you know it, it was you could tell it was a pretty special um, seller they had just when you when you look at it in a cell and you look at all the wine labels and you just tell from the labels and from the the color of the wine that you see beyond the bottle you can just like oh shit every bottle of wine in this place is really good um, and then they knew they knew Patrick from PlayStation by first name immediately cracked a bottle of rosé um, and passed it over and it was just brilliant like you know just just drinking in this cellar um, them laughing at me trying to say what I liked do you want to name the place uh, like try? badly it's, it's going to be really good when you see where he was I know he, he sent me the oh, he saw? sent me a photo independently and said hey Mike um, I just went to this cool little cellar there and I was like it's fuck it's one of the best wine stores in the world so, yeah. so it's called Le Cave de Papilles yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it better for me Gio <laughs> La Cave de Papilles Cool. <laughs> <So Italian. laughs> um, and uh, like the owners there were so um, so nice and like I, I was just kind of like I kind of said what I liked and they pointed out a few and then I just I, I mean for me I'm, I'm terrible I don't know shit about who's making the best wine the best regions all that kind of stuff I generally blame that on pretty much drinking with you guys too much and just letting you order for me and just drinking and trusting in you but I know what good wine looks like, so uh, as in the actual color of the thing, and so I picked like three random wines that I just liked the color of, and the guys at the counter were like, "Whoa, that's a that's a fucking good like trio of wines." And then they gave me an extra one, um, and then I sent it to you, and then Mike Benny kind of lost his mind a bit. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like you had um, you know an, a, a radar 
that just basically put you into every great place to go and find amazing wines in Paris. And then you picked out the producers that were most interesting, rare, um, hard to find, and, and you know, small yield, small volume style stuff. It was, it was quite incredible when I saw how you were drinking in Paris. Yeah, well, because I went to Clown Bar on your recommendation earlier that day, and um, I sent you guys a you know a, a page of the Pet Nat wines that they had, and I just kind of was like, oh, which of these should I get? And you, you were, I think you were both asleep, so I didn't, I didn't hear back from you for a bit. Together, it's the only way to stay warm these days. Um, and uh, I, so I, I just ordered what this guy next to me was drinking because it looked really good. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You sent us a photo of a list, and it had like Robinos and. Um, I can't remember some of the other guys on there. And it was a great list of like Pedalar Naturals. Yeah, so it had like um, Brutal by Sebastian Deveux and Patrick Bourgeau and all these other French names that no one can say. And then the next minute, so we're all sort of throwing out like, oh, they're good little pedal, you know, Pedalans have a nice little spritzy wine. The next minute you end up with a Brigno Falcon Flock. Like <laughs> of all the guys to sit next to and just say, I'll have what he's having. Like that's pretty fucking good. So the guy sitting next to me was was a young winemaker in Paris, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "If you like this kind of wine, you will love this." Do you know who he was? Did, uh, did no, you... I should. He kind of he kind of headed off pretty quick. So yeah, if he's yeah. listening in Paris, <laughs> twenty <laughs> years from now, Where, what's the email address? Yeah, uh, the Mitch and Podcast at Gmail dot com. I think <laughs> <laughs> hit us up on Facebook, man. It's definitely Facebook dot com slash the Mitch. Um, Have you? So you boys go to Paris a lot. I guess and, and through the wine regions do you ever stumble across those kind of wines where you just sort of randomly like I know Lev's went with a much more of a blank canvas but have you guys ever had one of those moments where you just sort of not expecting to find phenomenal wines and then you just go bang and it's you know pretty yeah, yeah there's, but it, interestingly there's this there's this sort of new culture that's going on in Paris and some bars do it and some bars don't where they kind of hold off those wines and keep them off the wine list and, and hide them and You've got to kind of prove your worth before you're allowed yeah. to sort of drink the reserve list. And it's, it, was, it was quite interesting. Last time that I was in Paris, that was kind of a thing that was um, something you had to be mindful of while you were drinking was that there's this whole, uh, you know, sort of sommelier slash small wine shop thing going on where it's sort of a rite of passage to get to best wines or rarest wines. Do you, do you think that might be due to the, the rising... Like popularity of natural wines, so for like allocations oh, are so tight and undoubtedly, yeah. it's it's small volume multiplied by high demand multiplied by cult status, and all of a sudden you've got this issue where there's not enough wine to go around, and you kind of got to know where to look. And uh, often it involves actually physically going into a cellar with perhaps say the sommelier or, or the wine bar owner, and, and 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 kind of rummaging through an Aladdin's cave of, of wine treasures while you're there. It's it's a it's a whole new kettle of fish the last few times I've been in Paris I'm still recovering from my last time in Paris really yeah well the last time I was there it wasn't probably as as uh, boomed as it is right now it was probably four three three and a half four years ago uh, but the good thing was that um, I flew in in the afternoon to meet uh, Luke Burgess uh, because uh, he had his, uh, the presentation of his documentary over there and uh, and Roger and Sue from Living Wine were there. Dirk Demure was there, and uh, we all went to this uh, Café des Artistes after dinner, and uh, which is more of a cocktail bar. But they started to bring up bottles from the cellar, and uh, um, and believe it or not, that one of the hosts of the bar he said, "This is for me the best orange wine." And uh, he opened it, 
He gave it to me blind, and uh, and that was actually Panevino Alvas, which is one of the wine I import. So I obviously was able to tell what it was because I know the wines really well. But it was <laughs> funny that to happen in Paris. And then before we realized it was uh, was uh, six o'clock in the morning, we had a big lock in. They closed the thing. We had a lot of bottles of wines, and uh, yeah, and. Probably I shouldn't mention this, but we 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 uh, we, we yeah we drank and drive to the airport. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we had no choices. Like in your defense, like it seems like all Parisians drink and drive. It was like the scariest. Yeah, you drank, 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 and then drove. Yeah. The highway was already four lanes. I could see nine, ten. <laughs> 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 um, I had a really, really amazing meal at uh, Le Verre Vol Sumer. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is like, there's two places I don't miss when I go to Paris, and Le Verre Vol is, is one. And they let you take bottles and go and sit on Canal St. Martin, and you can take your own glasses out there, and maybe a plate of razor clams and a couple of great bottles, and drink out on the canal, and then bring the glassware back. And to me, that's such a special thing to do. Um, in Paris, they have this you know beautiful wine store with amazing, f- I mean, great seafood as well. I mean, it's, it's mm. sort of that way focused. Yeah, we, we had basically Mike Eggett said to me like when, before we went there, like oh you know try and order everything on the menu if you can because it's all good. And I went there with three other people, and, when, and they do a, a, an option where you can have four mains, and you just pay like you know thirty two euro or something ridiculous. Um, and and uh, we worked out that if all four of us did that, we could try the entire menu. <laughs> so we tried the entire menu, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, um, I had those really ugly barnacles for the first time in my life. Mm. They are so good. Mm. This tastes like the like like Which the ones? like uh, the yeah. ones that like uh, that people kid die like five people die trying to source them every year. Mm. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. They, they they grow on the rocks. You can only get them by hand diving and all that sort of it's, stuff. It sounds more like Japan, though. Yeah. <laughs> They're not diving for pearls. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, and, and great, great wine there too. And so yeah, I mean, th- 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 those two, like yeah, Le Clun Bar and uh, Le Ver Volet, um, they were the two that I liked the most. I had a really great um, meal and wine at um, Vivant mm. Cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the last time we were at uh, Ver Volet, <clears throat> we took wine out onto the onto the uh, canal and we were drinking with James Henry uh, up until like he was quite pissed up until two really attractive women walked past and, then and James, James walked Henry. up to them and said hi I'm James Henry I'm quite a famous chef <laughs> and it worked and then he left <laughs> and we didn't see him again <laughs> ever <laughs> hi James <laughs> um, ah so that's why Bones is closing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know the you know the, the joke that goes around Paris for why Bones is closing and he'll probably kill me for saying this is that they had to close um, Bones because he'd slept with every girl in the Aridissimus and he needed to move he, to a new one. Yeah, he needs to move to a new suburb. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Giorgio's moving to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Um, I took um, I took the cameraman um, to all these to all these restaurants with me. So shout out to Joel for being quite adventurous. Um, at one point, we he ordered like at, at Lacumba. He kind of just was like, "Oh, boyf means beef." So uh, <laughs> so he ordered that and. Um, he, he, when it came out, I could see straight away that what it was, it was sweetbreads. Awesome. And um, he ate it thinking it, it was chicken. And he was like, this is so amazing. This is so good. But I think they gave me the wrong thing because I ordered the beef. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was uh, veal sweetbreads. Um, and uh, I, I, I revealed that to him like a little... Because actually, I didn't reveal it to him. The guy, another guy sitting to the right of us was like, excuse me, what do you call those in English? <laughs> and he was like, 
Chicken. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Anyway, Paris, I, I only got three meals in you, but you were very good. Um, well, three good meals. I went to a few. I went to a few. Had a few. I finally went to that place. Um, what the fuck is it called? It's like the, they're really famous for the pig's trotter. It's like a f- like landmark. Uh, yeah, uh, it's shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was one of the worst things yeah, I've ever terrible. eaten. Have you ever had that? Like that big. It's like a big rolled in breadcrumbs and fried pig's trotter, and you. you it's you spend like the whole time. It's like Pierre de Cochon or something. That's yeah, it. Like yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just like a tourist trap. Or Pierre or Cochon. You didn't make yeah. it to Bistro Paul Bert, did you? Unfortunately, no, yeah. no. When uh, w- w- you know, we had a lot of different people taking us around, and uh, it was it's it's a great vibe there. Like you know, the service is really you know French. French. And, yeah, it's uh, just touristy. And you you know you, and you sit down, you get bread and um, uh, riette, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I, I went there last time I was in Paris and, and I saw these big people get these big hulking pigs trotter. I was like, oh, I've got to try that. And then uh, I, I ordered it and the guy was like, you know that it is like 90% cartilage and bone. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And it was not. <laughs> <laughs> so jokes on me, Paris. <laughs> anyway, Gio, we mentioned you moving to Melbourne. Why are you doing that? Um, oh, it's just a strategic uh business move I had to say that but yeah uh, it doesn't sound very attractive but no it's um, I just recently opened my own business and uh, it is uh, it is quite important for the way I want to set it up that I move to Melbourne Mm -hmm. and uh, because I can work in collaboration with another importer uh, who is based in Sydney uh, and who never moved to Melbourne because it's too lazy so I had to move to Melbourne uh, we didn't even discuss that. It was uh, was obvious from the beginning, um, but yeah, it's it's very handy because uh, I can help him out with his wines in Melbourne, and uh, he will uh, help me up uh, here. How many years have you been importing wines to Australia? Uh, five and a half years, uh, but this is a kind of a brand new start. It's a new company, and uh, um, I'm still bringing some of the producer I was working with before, uh, but. Uh, I'm I'm going a little bit more uh, focused than what I was before because before I had the need to have wine that sells in quantities. When now I can work in collaboration with this uh, other guy, Piero, uh, who's who's got uh, who's got that kind of wine in his portfolio. So um, I can just concentrate on what I really really like, and I can also concentrate to work a little bit more uh, focus on holding the wine back until they are really ready to drink, which is a very big um, and important thing to do when you work with a lot of wine with uh, with no sulfur additions. Yeah, let's talk quickly about what kind of wines you do really like. What are you going to be focusing on? Uh, so um, I um, I still bring a lot of uh, classic producers, like uh, as an example um, Giuseppe Rinaldi, which is who's an icon in Barolo, uh, to Dario Princic, who's an icon in. Uh, in Friuli for orange wines, one of the first people in Friuli to go back to macerations on white wines, and um, and uh, but at the same time I'm more experimental with people like Farnea as a, as an example, which is a very s- small producer in uh, Veneto in Colle Organe, uh, or people like uh, Le Coste. Uh, um, those wines are fantastic, and uh, I can assure you, when you try, especially Lacoste, when you try his wines in his cellar, it's, they really blow your mind. Uh, but uh, I have to say, I you know, it's very difficult to to understand what's going on when the wine travels. 
and for me it's a new world so the wine arrives here and is never the same uh, most of the time especially the cost of wine needs needs three four months um, and I still try to understand why one day it's a fantastic bottle the next day it's it's undrinkable so um, it's very important to try to understand those dynamics so I will concentrate on try to understand it by checking the wine before he leaves Italy and checking again here to see what what the difference in bacteria is. Um, I guess that's the focus when you're dealing in natural, no sulfites, no additive, kind of old world in a way. You know, it's kind of now new world, but, you know, the minimal intervention and all of that makes the wine a bit more volatile than if it's pump, the bottle's pumped full of sulfur. And Yeah, yeah. So, but the, the, the main thing is the fact that um, it doesn't matter if there is a uh, hundred part per million or ten part per million added. In the moment you're adding sulfur, you're actually killing bacteria, in, even in very small amounts. So, it is actually black and white, sulfur or no sulfur, uh, in that perspective. So every bottle of wine, for instance, is you guys consider it to be like a living organism with those those bacterias. So you have to treat it as such, yeah. And yeah, there's absolutely. Certain conditions that that you want to explain that you really need to do when it comes to importing some do's, some don'ts. Like, what's the? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the car alarm. You fuck with Rushka today. <laughs> <laughs> it may be my car. <laughs> no one would steal that. Um, yeah, tell us, like, what's what's important when you bring wine? What do you? Well, the important, the important thing for me is that uh, I'm not expecting the wine to, to taste exactly the same because it's impossible. There uh, is actually a fascinating part on, uh, on drinking the wines in different countries but, uh, because they never taste the same. But, uh, yeah, it's very important that uh, we do our best to make sure that uh, we give justice to the winemaker and to the wines. And, um, yeah, you just can't... Th- those wines sometimes are really bad uh, and if you don't wait enough to 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 settle to um which is not necessarily keep them always at the same temperature th- those wines actually like fluctuation of temperature seasonality but it's just the the problem is that i find it's vibration a lot with uh, transporting them via sea and uh, so vibration is a very big one and uh, and also uh, kind of very um, quick temperature changes that's what really affect the wine then the wine is 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 kind of shocked and uh, is kind of have to recover but sometimes uh, you you change the balance of the bacteria so there is population of bacteria that uh, change completely they were maybe in very minimal amount and because of those conditions uh, they taking over others, so it's alive. You know, it's it's exactly like uh, any other alive fermented uh, beverage. You know, um. yeah. To take it back to uh, Paris very briefly, um, one of the most fierce competitions in all history is between French and Italian wine. Does that still exist in the natural wine scene? Yeah, a lot. Really? Yeah. <laughs> who's who's winning, Giorgio? <laughs> Well, I don't. F- I think you 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 ask the wrong person, <laughs> or the right person. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a mic and a loaded question. No, I I have to say that I secretly drink uh, French wines. Uh, I always do it secretly. I don't tell anyone, <laughs> and uh, and I enjoy them as well. Uh, but I try I try not to be seen. Mike, you kind of sit without an allegiance, really. 
do you see uh, anyone moving forward or anyone taking the lead or is there I was going to say it's 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 slightly different for me because I go over to Europe twice a year for approximately two and a half months by the time we add it up each year and and do a lot of research Giorgio as well and we actually travel together usually once a year or once every 18 months in Europe uh, often to, to nudist beaches which is part of our you know what makes up some of the best trips in Europe is the uh, great acceptance of uh, naked swimming natural wines natural yeah, bodies yeah <laughs> And boy, Absolutely. do we look good naked. <laughs> yeah. Photos to come. I was going to say that to, to me that, that there's, there's different hot spots now. I mean, it's, it's a kind of... Mostly the, the, the nudist beaches, right? Yeah. I'm going to say one of the hot best... Hot spot or G-spots? <laughs> bit of a... Bit of a... Bit of a... Uh, I've got to say one of the best nudist beaches that go, that, that's going around is actually in the north of Jura, obviously a, you know, a very uh, well-versed wine region for natural wine and very interesting wines. And the north is the Lakes District, and I stumbled onto a nudist beach there, of course, and um, you know, spent a day drinking Van Jones n- naked <laughs> by a lake. And I'll tell you what, you've got 36-month-old Comte and you know, your, your, your boy's hanging out, <laughs> a bottle of Van Jones by the lake. Fuck yeah, you know? <laughs> that to me is paradise. But no, I was going to say, traveling to Europe and kind of doing all this research, you kind of pick up on, on hot spots rather than, you know, a country versus a country. Um, and if you look contemporarily at where some of the best restaurants and, and bars are for drinking wine, um, what I've seen in recent trips is Austria's ascendancy, Slovenia's ascendancy, particularly Bruda, which is on the border of Friuli, Veneto, Giulia, and... Um, Little pockets of France that have kind of been overlooked. Um, you know, people talk about Auvergne, for example, as a hotspot for for really interesting uh, new wave, I guess you'd say, of, of wines that have been coming through into the market. And then other little pockets as well. I mean, little parts of Croatia, north of um, Greece in um, Macedonia or Macedonia in the north there. And it's really interesting because it's not France versus Italy per se. It's It's, you know, where are people popping up that are doing really interesting things? Um, I was and, gonna, oh, sorry, Andrew Gard would say it's all shit so. Well, it's true but. <laughs> I was going to ask Are you guys <clears throat> still impressed when you find Like new producers Considering the current like climate of knowing everything in the world With the internet and travelling and wine bars Like for instance Fanea that you mentioned yeah. in, As one of your imports, Georgia that, That's a fairly new discovery Yet that's established winery, yeah? And yeah, well it's, uh, it's at least a few years now But uh, um, I tried Fanea and I met I met him two and a half years ago, and uh, I only had the chance to start to import it more recently. Um, but yeah, so the thing is that the m- most of the time you discover new producer through existing new producers. That's the way I generally discover wines or drinking in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And um, and there is some restaurants. Uh, in some part of the world that you wouldn't even imagine that I tried wines uh, that uh, now maybe are very well known but at the time were completely unknown and stuff like uh, you know Auvergne wine in the middle of nowhere um, in a small restaurant in Slovenia or things like that Mm. we haven't done this yet in Sydney and Melbourne where are the places we should go to be drinking exciting new wines um, Mike, <laughs> it's 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 hard because you kind of you, you name call people and you miss out. But I mean, last night I was in Ten William Street and Fratelli Paradiso and Monopole, and to me, there's three places that I think have great integrity with their wine programs. Um, Billy Kwong has an insane list, which was uh, co-curated by Giorgio um, and and 
Nick, who's up there as well, and she's, you know, keeping a great dynamic going at the Billy Kwong's list. Uh, you know, Fix and James still has a good program, particularly with Australian producers. Uh, Love Tilly Divine, um, and by virtue, Waterman's with its kind of overflow has, has, has great wines on its list as well. Uh, the real sleeper that most people overlook is Mary's in Newtown, which, you know, you go there for a burger, but that wine list is amazing. You know, it's, and they are holding back vintages of wine in their cellars to release and it, you know you go hang on it's Mary's you know I go there for shots and beers but that wine list is is ballistic and um, they even had a wine created pretty much for them the, the haggis wine that uh, Patrick Sullivan yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, he made that with Mary's in mind right well possibly yeah I mean there's there's certainly uh, they're working with people at the moment to try and kind of create wines for, for their business and now for the unicorn that's opening as well um, uh, there are some collaboration wines haggis was pretty much you know sold mostly through Mary's I believe but it was available other places on um, on lists outside of Mary's as well uh, also I mean there's there's great restaurants around town M- Moon Park for example is one this is Acme Acme wants took you fucking long enough Acme wants to nominate some other places what do you want to say Acme but that's the problem when you get asked this question that's why I pass it on to Mike because uh because especially me, that I'm selling wine to restaurants. If I don't mention them, they, they don't buy anymore. So. Ch- chances are that if <laughs> if it's a a young like a chef of sort of our generation in the kitchen or behind the business, chances are that the wine is going to be yeah. along those lines, or there's going to be those options to drink. And this so is this is less all about, you got to do is ask. This is less about creating a definitive list and more just kind of explaining that there are there is a vibrant scene of of of, of you know, exciting wine. Yeah, sort of, but we don't want to also rest on our laurels. Like the the guys that me and Mitch hang around with, we're all in the same boat, and so we do appreciate that. But a lot of people still need to come on board and you know learn yes, learn sir. about these wines. I think not so much hotspots for bars, but we have the, the importers. That's what really makes Australia so good. That the guys in Melbourne and Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, we can rely on people like Giorgio and Sue and Roger and Andrew Gard, and you know, there's heaps of other great importers but they're doing all the the groundwork like Giorgio just explained he goes to the wineries he tastes the wine he, he deals with it he he does all the hard work holding it back in you know in storage waiting for it to be ready and then we've got these great sommeliers so you know it's quite it's becoming quite easy really as a restaurateur because if you work with the right importers they pretty much take all the guesswork out like the, you know these guys don't stock shit wines because they want to drink you know, it's like Mitch always says, he wants to cook the food he wants to eat, you know, and so he's, his restaurant's a representation of him. Giorgio wants to... Gross. Sell. Gross, yeah. <laughs> Clean, cleanly, creepy. cleanly shaven and very creepy. <laughs> Giorgio wants to drink the wines that he brings in, you know, Sue and Roger, Gardi, these guys want to really, you know, sell their passion. So if you just work with the right importers, like, you, half the job's done, yeah? Like, surely, like, Mike, I don't... You you have the, the the stratosphere of wine as a scope. You, uh, Australia's not really missing any wines, is it? Like I know there's a few no, people not, we'd love not to not missing any. We just pay a lot more for it. Well, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. and also, Giorgio's uh, explanation prior is is kind of a case in point. I mean, a lot of people do release wines way too early. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Off ship. Because they're keen to get it out and share it, and it's generally because it's good spirit. But I think it's you know experienced importers are the ones that I kind of prefer to to um, you know name check in some respects. People who kind of get the program isn't about urgency to market; it's about quality to market. And and on that, and a hotspot to drink. Shout out to the old Mitchin member Rich Hargraves, yeah. who has still at. Mamafuku has some of the best natural wine kicking around because he was patient, put in cellar, and held it back. You know, like Rich has done a great job with that, and, and Ambrose has taken on from where Rich left off. But if you want to go and drink wines that have got a couple of years resting out in Australia, Mamafuku's got them because Rich did a great job there. And the bar's back open now. And the yeah, bar's has anybody really had that pork chop yet? No, no, I'm dying to go. Good. So yeah. it, 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 it seems that half, half of Sydney posted up a picture of one of the most incredible looking pork chops ever. Cooked in jerk spices and all, all sorts of roti on the side. Yeah, it looks really good. So I guess we've talked all around importing and all that, so we should probably... Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the, the main reason I wanted to ask about that list, though, was I was actually in Melbourne... Sunday, then I got taken out after this games conference to bleep and uh, had a moment where they were like, you know, can we send the SOM to come and talk to you about the wine you like to drink? I'm like, yeah, of course, I'd love that. And it was one of the most useless. Ex- I've, I've had better, better like um, wine recommendations off like, you know, the guy sitting next to me or the, you know, or like, you know, yeah, the, but the, 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 the kitchen hand, you know. The, the thing about it is that not everybody likes to drink the wine that we like to drink. Oh, no, no, no. I think it, it was a Sunday night, so it may not, it may not be the actual song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe. I'm not sure how um, how much natural wine and stuff Bleep. carries. I know their clientele's not, is into a uh, very different but style. But I wasn't necessarily after too. natural wine. I, I definitely knew that going in. It was just, yeah, it was like, you know, when you say, like, three things that you like, and he's like, oh, uh, maybe this. You know, like, <laughs> I could have done that, man. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about rootstock. <laughs> <laughs> On that professional yeah. note, let's throw to rootstock. Uh, poison chalice segue, courtesy of Andrew Levins. <laughs> so rootstock, let's give it the bit of a build-up. You guys, it's the third, the third one now. You've been building slowly. Well, far out. I mean, 4,500 people to 13,500 people didn't feel slow. 225,000 this year, I reckon. Yeah. 25,000 is your prediction this year? We, we've been told, yeah, we've kind of been told to expect 20,000 people, which is, which is pretty good because, and this is something that I feel pretty strongly about, and I know Giorgio does as well, is that Rootstock Sydney is unique in terms of festivals because it's curated. I mean, it's not just user pays. Most festivals, be they 
um, large scale uh, and commercial just basically invite anybody who is willing to pay. And sometimes there's a bent towards, you know, premium producers. Uh, but certainly it's a, it's a user pay system, whereas Rootstock is invitation only. Um, the entire program is... I can't tell you the amount of detail that Giorgio particularly puts into the curation of the program. I mean, crossing T's and dotting I's on the most minute of details to make sure everything is just so and, and spot on in terms of the overarching philosophy of artisan sustainable produce, organic biodynamic farming, uh, minimal internet intervention farming and, and winemaking. And, and it's, it's quite extraordinary because of the scope and the scale. And, and this year is so big in terms of what's going on. There are so many moving parts to Rootstock Sydney. Um, I guess it's it's probably poignant to kind of give a bit of an, an overview of, of what some of those are. Um, but uh, you know, basically you're going to walk into a full-scale farmer's market festival um, with chefs aligned with a primary producer or a farmer. Um, and alongside that are pavilions, which are dedicated to kind of themed um, ideas that, again, um, come from Giorgio's mad vision. And it's extraordinary. We've got... Uh, a, a coffee pavilion which has never been seen before in terms of the collaboration of baristas, roasters, importers of coffee beans, uh, all who work with a you know a really aligned ethos towards great coffee from amazing single sites, uh, and who work in their various coffee shops and roasteries with such exacting detail to what they do. Uh, and then there's the laboratorio, which is about you know kind of isolated small. Um, unique things to Australia that you can learn about in small 20-minute 20, 20 talks and seminars from um, cheese making with um, with uh, corner smith to learning how to grow mushrooms at home uh, to Wapengo oysters, the incredible you know single site world's only organic oyster farm, um, and and you know then you roll into the indigenous pavilion, which is I mean really Georgia, you should talk about the indigenous pavilion because that's been your labour of love. Yeah. Um just before getting into that, I'm just um, maybe you know. Um, sorry, I got stuck. I was uh, I was <laughs> thinking okay. about something um, sexual. Sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Let's go back. Uh, let's go back. Me, to, me, and Jura naked. Yeah, that I still have this uh, this image in my mind uh, of you trying to cover your willy with a bottle of Jean. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, there are shorter squatter ben bottles. Ben Sean so. doesn't come in Magnum, so <laughs> <laughs> only seven twenty Claven. Six twenty. Six. Oh, sorry, again another lapses. That's plenty big enough. <laughs> Short squat, chodish bottles. <laughs> Snap. So I was talking about your Claven, but back to the Rustock Sydney. Um, yeah. No. So the the, the indigenous uh, pavilion is something that we are extremely proud of. Because um, a lot of people are saying, what are what is uh, Aboriginal people really have to do with uh, with the wine festival? Well, first of all, it's not just a wine festival anymore, um, and um, it's uh, it's it's that concept extended to everything, and uh, and the proof is as well that we extended that concept this year as well to architecture. So we have a fantastic architect that is one of the major Australian architects, who's uh, Richard Le Pastrier who's coming and talking about sustainability in architecture, so how to, you know, be aware of the landscape when you build something. Um, but uh, uh, back, back to the indigenous people, for us, um, the Aboriginal people are actually the, the, the quintessence of what we're looking for, which is uh, respect for the land, uh, knowledge of the land, 
and and sustainability everything they do or anyway they used to do because the last 200 years of uh, Aboriginal history obviously is is completely different from what it used to be before then um you know they know exactly how to how to grow grains as an example by using a specific site in which it rains only once once a year but that that water is just enough to get the crop going for the whole year so the um, amazing aquaculture system that you can actually see from the plane, like massive. Um, so, you know, Aboriginal people were actually amazing agriculturalists as well, um, when uh, obviously the common knowledge is that uh, they're just uh, hunting and gathering. Well, that's not really true. They, 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 you know, they were the first people to... To, to to actually mill f- grains and make bread 30,000 years ago, which is 15,000 years before the Egyptian. So that, you know, that's just something that already can change your history books. Yeah. You know, you go in, uh, in any history book and uh, in Egypt, the first time they, they, they made bread. Well, no, there, is, there were people doing that 15,000 years before them. So this is quite important that that message goes out. And who have you been working with to... to well, uh, you know, we were extremely lucky that uh, we went uh, to a uh, champagne tasting. So Mike actually asked me to come and translate uh, for um, some amazing champagne grower that were in Australia. And uh, I didn't feel my French was good enough, so I asked another guy. So uh, anyway, <laughs> so I didn't end up to translate because I wasn't confident enough. Um, but... Um, um, but then we met uh, Bruce, Bruce Pasco. Bruce Pasco is, uh, he was introducing the, the tasting and they was talking about uh, his book, the Dark Emu. Uh, he was talking about Aboriginal agriculture. So, and uh, his, uh, his, um, his speech was so well phrased and uh, so touching that uh, all of a sudden we had this idea of um, doing something with him to involve him. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to him and, uh, Straight away, we had this idea of uh, of building something together. So, in this uh, in this indigenous area, there is going to be so many things happening. So, um, one is we're going to produce a dish uh, by we're going to build a big earth oven. Uh, obviously, need to be tweaked around because we we're looking at 2,000, 2,500 portion over two days. So, it needs to be a little bit more. Um, um, high tech, but we're still using just uh, bricks and layers of uh, sand and stones. But we may ne- need to use a wet sheet instead of barks to make it quicker and, uh, and more efficient. But uh, in 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 concept, it will be practi- practically an earth oven, uh, exactly like the one they're using for cooking stuff. And we will be cooking this dish, which is um, mussels and peepees with native herbs in in paper bark. And uh, and baked for about seven eight minutes uh, under under sand and charcoal. Uh, then we will have a, a virtual midden. So the midden is uh, is a traditionally uh, it's a, it's a very important thing in uh, in um, Aboriginal culture. So you never throw back an oyster into the sea, but uh, you 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 throw in in specific site that generally are associated to cooking place because. Uh, you need to uh, layer them up with uh, with the rest of the charcoal. So what we're gonna do at, at Rustic Sydney, we're going to uh, to have the oyster 
farmer uh, from Wapengo, Shane, who's going to drive up uh, 700,000 horses for the event, all from his lake, from his farm. And we're going to ask people to throw the, the, the shells into the meat rather than into the beans. And so, yeah. So cool. Yeah, and I mean... Sorry, Mikey, go for no, it. No, no, go, go. Well, I was going to say that the, you know the program, of course, and we've, we've sort of shifted away from it. But you know, the wine program is is massive again, and perhaps some of the most exciting uh, wine producers, you know, that that we love drinking, coming to Australia in person, pouring their wines, which is obviously so important. Uh, plus, you know, the local guys who are such great supporters of Rootstock Sydney as well. Um, but you know, looking at seventy producers in the in the wine festival area and that runs over both days uh, alongside the whole food program uh, and you know uh, f- for us extraordinary people coming to to share with us their wine uh, and then Magnus Nielsen from Favakin you know is is kind of you know that's a bit of a showstopper having breakfast with him David Moyle interpreting dishes um, through Aboriginal produce using the resources of the UN people who are coming to Rootstock Sydney to, to cook in the Indigenous Pavilion. Um, so that's going to be an extraordinary breakfast before the whole thing starts. Yeah, and and Pasi Petunan making bread um, using... Because that's the other thing. We, we, we're actually supporting a, a little project called uh, Guranji Munji, who means, that means uh, food of the people. Uh, it's a little food farm down... Um, where the UN people are, um, so it's a project to grow back, especially grains, uh, because there is more than 200 species of grains that can grow uh, pretty much without irrigation or pesticide because they're native, and uh, and also um, they they have some very interesting flavors. So one of those is native millet. Um, and we got uh, the last one kilo and a half of seeds available in Australia from Queensland. So we got in contact with uh, with um, with somebody who's going to help us to to mill it, and um, and then um, we're going to make a bread in the Northern European style. So f- somehow getting inspired by the recipe from Magnus. Uh, so uh, like a seed and rye style bread from the north of Europe using these native millets. So Pasi will do that for the breakfast as well. What, what's amazing to me about it is that in this day and age, especially like guys like Noma coming here and it's all about terroir and local and that kind of thing. And we've sort of touched on it in previous podcasts that native ingredients are still sort of overlooked or used in the wrong ways and we don't really have that knowledge of the breadth of you know grains and aboriginal farming techniques and we've talked about aboriginal seasonality and all this kind of thing that we probably should be more in tune with rather than trying to compare ourselves to european seasonality etc and i don't think it's ever been done like there's obviously been things to promote aboriginal culture and that kind of thing but to have it done in such a mainstream way in such a big wine and food festival with such big names from all different industries coming like i think it's pretty special to put the focus onto that as well and sort of like it's really timely and no i don't think anyone's really had the balls to do it and hopefully it keeps opening eyes like man, like if if this was something that everyone was more in tune with, we'd be such a better country. Mm-hmm. <coughs> like, my my has got the balls. I saw them in Jura. 
But uh, you know what I mean? Like it's no one's done something on this scale before yeah. and gone, this is really fucking important and we don't pay enough attention to it and we can all learn stuff. You know, with all the talk about sustainability mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. No one looks back to the Aboriginal people and the Indigenous people to see what they were doing and how we can incorporate their knowledge and moving forward, you know what I mean? Like well, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's 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 uh it, it it is insane that we that we only really consider the last two hundred years of history when when we when we think about what defines us as. I, you know. I reckon Bruce Pascoe's book Dark Emu should be compulsory school reading. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it's intrinsic to to learning about Australian history, but also about uh, depth of culture that existed. Um, you know, and, and food obviously is such an important thing in everyone's lives. Uh, it, it's a real lens on Australian history and culture that we completely ignore at school while learning, mm. you know, the broad basics of, of um, uh, Indigenous history and our history and then our impact on the history of Indigenous people of Australia. And I think what, what I think, particularly speaking for Georgia as well, we're most proud of is definitely the, the idea that we can bring this forward to a, a larger cultural group of people and, and say it's, you know... This is this is a really important yeah. thing for everyone to learn from and to experience and to enjoy as well, which is yeah. and and do it before it's getting too late. This is another point because uh, that knowledge can be lost. The knowledge quickly. is already lost uh, big time. So uh, and that's the whole point as well of that uh, the Guranji Muji Project Farm is that uh, there is a lot of elders that uh, they will be volunteering to to train up young Aboriginal people so the idea is to support them to um, to employ young Aboriginal people to work in these farms all around Australia so there is one in Barrie now and there is uh, some other little project in Malakuta down in Victoria but uh, but it's a very initial stages so uh, unfortunately they they didn't get the grant from the government uh, that they asked so we we felt like uh, we we really needed to get this done now uh, because it's very important that um, they get their right attention to get this project going on. So we actually starting a crowdfunding for them, uh, which uh, will go up live at the end of the week. And uh, on, the, on the rootstock side, or uh, it will be it will be promoted to the rootstock side, but uh, we're gonna beat it up as a Gurangi Monji, so it's not rootstock Cine crowdfunding but it's right. Goranji Munji crowdfunding and we 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 helping them up with with the promotion and uh, we want to make sure that uh, this project takes off and uh, we want to make sure that um, these kind of things are going to employ young Aboriginal people rather than you know making rich some big rich already rich western people yeah man it's insane that we went from like within seconds a very elaborate wine dick joke to <laughs> some of the most eloquent respectful uh words i've heard about aboriginal culture and food with an italian accent <laughs> <laughs> and it gives it gravitas yeah <laughs> i just like to know because um, the whole rootstock this year is quite phenomenal you guys, people at home may not know, this is a, a not-for-profit organisation and it's mm. yourself, Mike Benny, Giorgio Di Maria and a, a third guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, yum, uh, yum. He never calls Heard. us, never has a beer anymore. <laughs> He's never around for... Uh, James Heard, the third member. It's pretty much you three at the moment, is that right? Yeah, it is. I, I, mean, we, we always, I know you've got an army of helpers. Well, but we always shout out uh, Matt Young and Linda yep. Wiss as co-founders from 2013. But yeah, it's the three of us this year. And so my question is... 
It's a phenomenally large undertaking, stressful. You all have full-time jobs. Whose idea was it to add coffee, indigenous, farmer's markets, everything into a wine fair and make it five times harder? Who, who actually thought at Georgia. the time, you know what we need is heaps more bullshit in our lives? Like, who thought that was going to be... Who, who's responsible? The way, the way it works is pretty much Giorgio has the creative vision. He then yells at me. I yell back at him and then we get stuff done and then something else pops up. Giorgio's brilliant creative vision. He yells at me. I yell at him. We get something done. And the thing snowballs <laughs> forward, 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 ever larger. It's, it's, it's quite a phenomenal undertaking for people that are doing it voluntarily for free in their spare time, of which nope. you have virtually nothing because you're all in the industry. We don't have hours and hours. So it is quite a phenomenal undertaking that people need to understand that... that you know, Rootstock is a huge event and looks really professional, but is run by three absolute not. amateurs, uh, exactly. and it's phenomenal. I know. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and this is huge. Like, I think it's a great and thing. One thing that people do get sort of floored by that it is not for profit and that we don't pay ourselves, that it's literally because we believe so strongly in the ethos and the philosophy that's behind the event, and that Australia needs a festival that really landmarks it as a an important country in food and wine. I mean, that's, that's one of the big reasons as well is we now get name-checked around the world for this festival um, a- against some of the world's great festivals. And bringing it back just purely onto the wine uh, side of things, it's one of the most thorough wine festivals in the world. Is that right? Like, there's other ones around the world, but Rootstock's pretty much becoming the not the number one yet, but it's getting up there, isn't it? Because when you go to, to wine fairs in Italy, Giorgio, it's predominantly Italian producers. Am I right in saying that? And I know there's some in London that mix multi, multicultural wines, but you guys have probably the most diverse. Is that, is that fair or well, we definitely we definitely got the best selection of Australian wines. But <laughs> <that's true. laughs> no, but really, like yeah. you, there isn't many wine fairs in the world that have such a a, a breadth of cultures, really, is there? Because they are quite regionally specific or Look, raw, specific. raw and, and real wine fairs in London and La Dive in France are pretty diverse and, and, and pretty massive in scope. And they have the benefit of proximity in Europe to really drag in a very interesting bunch of producers. But for a, a little startup that's in Sydney, Australia, that for some people who don't even basically leave their wine regions, to get some of the people who come to Australia to hang out, to show their wines to visit is is pretty extraordinary and i mean Giorgio and i have traveled europe extensively for almost a decade in our various travels and have gone and really hustled and talked to people and said you know australia's ready for this we, we need your support please come and and join us and and i think that by virtue of the last two festivals and their you know relative success that that producers around the world now talk about rootstock sydney and um you know, a, a little humbling story. I was in, in Slovenia in this uh, very extraordinary small producer there whose wines don't come to Europe, um, a guy called Janko Stekar. Um, and I was at his farm and I stayed a, a week on his agriturismo and I went through his guest book. And lo and behold, there was a couple who had written a little note saying, thank you for staying there. Oh, and you should come to Rootstock, Sydney. You know, and I was just going through, what? And, and I found their email address and actually emailed this couple and said, thank you so much for... You know, passing on the word, and, and Yanko Stecker is coming to Rootstock Sydney awesome. 2017. So you know, so like, just amazing things that you can be in a backwards place in Europe. People are like, oh, we know Rootstock. You know, so it's it's kind of cool. Is the on that is is the Georgian cooking still happening? Are you still doing that, or is that still in the works? At there, there will be a talk. There will be a talk which involve uh, um, wine tradition and obviously food because the the things goes together. Especially in a country like Georgia, you know, where 
you would expect it's, you know it's a completely different tradition uh, than uh, than as an example than France you know they, it's not about uh, and maybe some people that imports Georgian wine would kill me for that but you know Georgian wines is it's related it's it's very related to religion and every day so it's it's a it's a wine it's important for the soul and it, and you you drink it every day it's not about uh, making the finest and uh, more uh, uh, classy wine like you you know you find as an example in in Burgundy tradition you know where since three, 300 years in trying to making super fine wines it's not about that I'm not sure if I'm right did I hear that some of the guys that are coming or that are being represented have some of the oldest vineyards kicking around is that a fair is that a fair statement Mike I think yeah I mean look uh, Aloverdi which is a monastery winery in in Georgia uh, dates back to the 11th century um, you know, continual winemaking, and, and they'll and be represented in. I, 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 we've we've had some issues with the Georgian producers um, with immigration, no joke. And uh, as an ex-immigration lawyer, I tried to put on the kind of professional hat to to write a serious document that would say that the Georgians are not intending to stay in Australia after rootstock Sydney as economic <laughs> refugees. Um, but le- legitimately, we've had troubles working out who's actually coming. We definitely know that pheasants tears with John Werderman, um He's the leading proponent of getting Georgians out of Georgia to go and show their wines around the world. So he is bringing a posse of winemakers. Awesome. But at this stage, we're kind of, we're in the hands of the immigration department. So, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good kind of yarn, really, that we're, you know, Thanks, telling the immigration to get, <laughs> yeah. Stop the wines. Well, Malcolm Turnbull is a very, very fine wine drinker. Stop the wine boats. <laughs> he, he might have a word. <laughs> cool. So let's talk about when Rootstock is and where it is. It's at Carriage Works at the end of November. Yeah, so it's at Carriage Works, um, pretty much taking out all the old train yards there, uh, 28th and 29th of November. The website's www.rootstocksydney.com. Um, it's, you know, all the information's on the website, all the talks. There's about 10, 12 really amazing talks, and they're not talks that a classroom style boring as fuck typical you know food and wine matching kind of shit i mean this is you know really important topics from richard laplastere's uh, sustainable architecture through to listening to georgians talk about their food and wine culture to aboriginal farming um to raw cheese classes uh, wine talks that aren't just yeah. line ups of glasses this is really like trying to create a different culture with talks and they're extraordinary the wine festival itself runs over four sessions over two days and then the farmer's market is completely free to wander around and browse drink eat and at night parties so you know that's kind of a, the big scope of the program there is one one talk in particular that uh, I think we're very proud of which is what represent the ethos as well it's a big change as well in the talks this year for us because uh we, we, we love and we understand how important it is to line up uh, seven or eight wines together with a wine producer from overseas. And that's fantastic. But I, we just thought that could happen somewhere else because it will happen somewhere else. What, what we wanted to do is to concentrate on people's stories. So there is one talk in particular, which is called uh, 2015 Vintage and Life, which is basically six producers from all around the world talking for 10 minutes each while we're pouring one of their wines uh, about what happened to them in their personal life in 2015. So we're not even going to talk about the wines. We're not even talk about the, the vineyards. And the producers are incredible, no? from Jean Foyard to Million Brew to Christian Schieder, Forlorn Hope, 
Selva Dolce, so one producer from uh, each area, so from Italy, from uh, Austria, from uh, Australia, from California, from so it's um, and that's that's for me um, and, and and for us it represents really the direction with the talks. Awesome! I can't wait. That's gonna be good. You got you involved at all, Mike? You doing some food? Yeah, we're pretty much trying to get involved as much as we can. So we're still sort of sorting out if we're going to be in Tasmania or not. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to be hopefully a last minute play, and we're uh, doing whatever we can. Just this morning, Giorgio was convincing me to do some other bits and pieces. Imi prosciutto. Yeah, imi prosciutto. Hopefully, to, to rep- seriously to represent in the, uh, the the traditional breakfast. So. Yeah, I've only, I've only ever had emu once uh, my family took me to the uh, Centerpoint Revolving Restaurant when I was a kid and I tried emu when it was like eating a wallet oh it's funny I got the recipes <laughs> from that place so it should, should turn out really good yeah we're looking for the pata negra of the emu <laughs> Um, okay, well, again, that is uh, all the tickets and details can be found at rootstocksydney.com. Michael, where can we find you elsewhere online? Uh, you can find me at micarism101 on various platforms. Giorgio? Um, you find me in all the supermarkets. <laughs> on the shelf, <laughs> every day. Section. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Instagram? <laughs> My Instagram is uh, Giorgio, so G I O R G O. Here we go. Okay, one second. Giorgio like Giorgio Armani, like everybody gets it, but without Armani. Underscore de, de, underscore Maria, like the Virgin. That's Giorgio De Maria. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> uh, Mitch can be found Insta Krill, and of course his restaurant is Acme in Sydney. Uh, and Mike is Pimbone. I'm Levdog, L E V D A W G. You can find The Mitchin online, facebook.com slash The Mitchin. And uh, please, uh, if you have any ideas for future shows or any questions you want answered, please feel free to ask us there on the show. And Mikey and I will be in Adelaide this weekend cooking at Africola on Monday night with the big boy Duncan. So if you're in Adelaide or if you're traveling, come through tickets are available on the Africola website we've got no idea what the fuck we're doing but we'll get there but then back in Sydney Duncan's coming up here for rootstock and what's he doing Mike he's 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 had a cow, Richard Gunner who's an amazing beef farmer has grown a cow from well you know from birth has raised a cow we've been sent pictures kind of monthly of the cow growing they're going to butcher it bring it up whole and cook it on a forklift over coals for the entire two Butterflied. days flight wicked well wow. yeah. <laughs> nice one, Dunk. Yeah, Duncan's good like that. Um, I also want to just bring attention to uh, my other podcast, Hey Fam. We're doing a big live event, which Mitch is involved with, actually. It's called um, Hey I'll, Fam. I'll allow this cross-pollination. <laughs> <That's so shit. laughs> hey Fam, it's Saturday. Um, it's a massive live event with um, a stack of comedians happening at Giant Dwarf Theatre on the 23rd of November, a Monday night. Mm. Even though it's called Hey Fam, it's Saturday. It's on a Monday. Um, and uh, if this goes really well, um, I want to try and start doing live episodes of, of the Mitchin as well. So um, you can uh, find tickets on the Giant Dwarf website. Here's Please it. have a phone-in section. I love live phone-in. So live phone-in? Live right, phone-in. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> it'd be amazing so people can see uh, Mike Eggett's busted anus. <laughs> <laughs> live and direct. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see that on that's stage? It. We did a crowdfund for that one. That's what he talks through. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to The Mitchin. Uh, we will be back again next week. Adios. Bye. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 